There are a lot of things that we can't see, but we believe are very real, right? Would you agree with that? Let's give you a couple of examples this morning. Uh, it was actually here at Grace. I uh, spilled my, my coffee. It was like filled to the brim. When that coffee fell off the table, I did not wonder if that coffee was going to go up or if it was going to go down, right? Because there's this invisible law called gravity that I can see, but I just, I just believe it, right? I know that when it's, it's, go, it's going down, right? How about smell? Let's say you're in a car with some people and the, <laughs> the windows are up and a smell comes from we won't say where, right? And no one's willing to own it. And someone says, I can't see it. I don't believe it's real. You go, oh yeah, it's, it is definitely real. It is definitely real in here, right? You can't see smell, but you believe it, right? How about cold? Cold is not really a thing. Cold is the absence of heat. And those of you engaging online, if you heard Mary before, don't believe, it, it's like 73 degrees here today in my head. And it's beautiful, uh, and, and you, you can't see, but we say, yeah, it's cold, we, and we take appropriate measures, right? How about electromagnetic waves? You can't see, there are sound waves, all kinds of waves all around us, Wi-Fi, you can't see it, but if we could see, you know what it looked like? It looks sort of like this right here. If we could see the invisible, we would see something like that all through this room. You're going to get in the car after a church, maybe, and you've think like, you know, I want to just continue my worship, and you turn on the fish or something, and you, you know, you, and you, you turn on the radio, and, and what happens? Magic, right? You're driving along, and, and your receiver on your radio connects to those radio waves and brings music into your car. Do those waves appear only when you turn the radio on? No, they're, they're, they're all around you, Right? There's all this, you can't see it, but you believe it's real. So you don't turn on the radio questioning, like, I wonder if I'm going to connect with some radio waves today. We just know, right? We believe it because it's happened so many times. Just because you can't see something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. We would all acknowledge that. And yet, I think for many, it's one of the key obstacles to faith, isn't it? That we'd say, you know, if I could just see God, you know, I, I, I've never seen Jesus, can't see the Father, can't see the Holy Spirit. And so I wrestle with, I just want to like, if I can, is he real? You know, to just peeking ahead to the New Testament, remember when Jesus, he says to his followers after his resurrection, he says, blessed are those who haven't seen, and yet what? And yet they believe. What if we viewed the existence, the reality of God, the same way that we view sound waves and gravity and smell and cold? Just because we can't see an invisible God doesn't mean he isn't real, right? The Bible actually acknowledges the challenge of this, the need for faith, and and here's what we read in Hebrews chapter 11. Listen to what the author says. It's not our, we're going to get to Psalm 139, but just for a second here. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence, and there is evidence, evidence of things what? We cannot see. But there's evidence, but we can't see it. And it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists 
and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. Here's, here's why faith, I really believe, is rational, intellectually credible. Just like we can't see radio waves, but we hear what? We hear the, the music. And just like you can't see cold, but you took extra measures today probably and said, I'm going to wear, um, you know, a coat, except some of my friends over here wore hoodies, they said, right? And, uh, but, and just like you can't see smell, but on the way home today, if it's really pungent in your car, you might actually put the windows down for some fresh air. Um, we may not be able to see God, but we, we see evidence, right? We see his fingerprints in, in all over nature around us. We see the power of God's working. I, I got an email this morning about this amazing healing, and I just said, wow, that could be coincidence, but it's amazing how many coincidences happen when people pray. Or you see a transformed life, and you go, I never, ever would have expected that person to become who they are today. And you go, I, I don't know how to, ex, ex, to say it, except it's God. I, I mean, I don't, I don't know. And that we can say, God, we can't see you, but we observe the evidence of who you are all over the place. Just because we can't see an invisible God doesn't mean he isn't real. So here's the question. What if God is actually everywhere we go? Like, what if he's more personal than sound waves? What if this God is really, really good, extraordinarily powerful, inviting us into a relationship with him all through the day, wanting us to interact with him through prayer and, and worship and, and to acknowledge his presence and his friendship and who loves us more than any other person in this life could ever love us. What if that God is really with us wherever we go? That would be amazing, wouldn't it? Let's turn to Psalm 139. If you're not there already, we started this new series called Near last week. And here's what this psalm highlights, that Christianity at the core is a relationship, that Christianity is not a, a, a list of do's and don'ts. It's not just like guardrails for behavioral kind of modification. It's not a series of religious obligations that it's all about. Christianity is all about the nearness of God. It's about a relationship with him. So last week we heard the testimony of scripture, the first six verses, that God is El Roy. He is the God who what? who sees. He sees everything. The fancy theological term for that is that God is omniscient. Omniscient. Would you say that one with me? Omniscient. He sees and knows everything. And there are no surprises to him. Not only that, the psalmist is going to go on here and tell us that God is omnipresent. And he starts with a rhetorical question. He's not trying to run away from God, but he's like, is there really any place I can go where God is not? Listen to how he says it, verse seven. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? In other words, is there a place you can go where God is not already there in his grace and his power and his watchful care? And David, the writer here, is this powerful leader who's wealthy and famous and successful and, and recognized as you know, one of the, the standout leaders in the world of that era, and yet he recognizes his own limitations and he just acknowledges, God, 
You are so great. And David responds to his question, where could I ever go that God is not? He responds with five if statements. Five if statements. See if you can pick them out beginning in verse eight. He says this, if I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Let's pause right there. There's a logical progression here. And, and David looks at three sort of spheres where God is. He starts in verse 8 with the cosmos, the universe. He's, he's like, you know what, however, however deep you would go into the depths of the earth, however far out in the stretches of the universe, you can say, God, you are here, you're, you're there. In other words, you can never travel so far into the universe that you would find a place where God is not present. I mean, just ponder that and you just go, it sort of just makes your mind almost explode. I wonder if out in the universe, we might sense his power even more, his presence. It's been true of numerous astronauts. Uh, there was an interview this past summer with one of the astronauts, um, Jeffrey Williams, and he revealed how his experience of Earth uh, from space strengthened his faith. And, and here's... Here's what he writes. He says, there's this incredible pattern of color and beauty. This is from space looking back. And it invokes wonders when asked about seeing the Grand Canyon and coral reefs in space. He completed five spacewalks, four missions, and set an American record for 534 total days in space. Now that's a business trip, isn't it? Which he said deepened his relationship with God. Williams said he captured about half a million photos, many of which he shared in his book, The Work of His Hands, a view of God's creation from space. Uh, he's from Wisconsin, and he said, I'm often asked if my, uh, my work as a scientist is somehow in conflict with my faith. And he says this, to the contrary, many of the great scientists of the past, such as Johannes Kepler, Isaac Newton, and Robert Boyles, were also theologians. They were all convicted by the Scripture and driven by the Scripture and their calling as scientists. And they recognized and assumed a rationality in God's created order that there was an ordering of things and the illustrations of that are obvious. Williams is not the only astronaut to have this sense of God's presence in space. John Glenn, one of the first astronauts chosen by NASA, once said that while aboard the shuttle Discovery, he said this, to look out at this kind of creation out here and not believe in God is to me impossible. You might remember how Buzz Aldrin and Neil Armstrong made their lunar landing from uh, the historic Apollo 11 mission. And on his return to Earth, Aldrin read aloud from Psalm 8, and here's what he read. When I look at the night sky, this is from Psalm 8, and I see the work of your fingers, God, the moon and the stars you set in place, what are mere mortals that you should think about them, human beings that you should care for them? To think that this amazing God, invisible yet everywhere, that if you were to go to the furthest stretches of the cosmos or to the depths of the earth, he's saying, 
that God who cares for you is there. He's there. Psalmist goes on and talks about east from west. Verse 9, if I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. The dawn would always be in what direction? In the east, right? And when he talks about the sea, S-E-A, he's talking about if you lived in that day, you're talking about the Mediterranean Sea, which was in the west. And so David, I wonder, I don't know where he wrote the psalm, but maybe, you know, he was up in the, some perch balcony of his palace and he has this vision, this view of the horizon and he's like, God, no matter where I go, to the, as far to the east, as far to the west, God, you're there, you're there. A couple of our worship team members today uh, grew up in faraway countries, and we have a lot of international students uh, here at Grace, people who are on business visas. I want to just tell you, we're really glad you're here. Uh, you, you make us a richer church family. I'm sure there are times, my first year of study was uh, in Europe, and it was not as big of a you know, move. I, a lot of people spoke English in different places I'd go to, but I was 17 years old, and I remember there were times that, uh, you know, I had my, I just, I felt very lonely. And, you know, you miss the familiar, your family's thousands of miles away. Uh, you miss maybe familiar foods, uh, things that other people know about. And they're just, and, and some of you, that's, that's you. And I remember this verse was such an encouragement to me when David writes, if I rise on the wings of the dawn... If I settle on the far side of the Atlantic, the Pacific, the Mediterranean, wherever, even there your hand will what? Guide me. There's nowhere we can go, east or west, that God is not there. One more aspect of God's presence that David highlights, he goes from the heights of space to east and west. And then he sort of says, in, in, in my day, uh, Whatever time of day, whatever season of life, verse 11, if I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you, the night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Some of you have been in a cave tour, you know, you go down to Mammoth Caverns or something, and they'll be like, all right, everyone stand still, and they turn off the lights, and you, I mean, you cannot see like a finger in front of your face, right? It is pitch black. And David's saying, even in that, God sees you. But not just when it's physically dark, when it feels like the lights have been turned off in your life. Some of you are there today, and you go, it just, <laughs> my life right now. In an article three months ago, Irina Creek writes about growing up in the former Soviet Union, and she writes this. And she quotes this psalm. I, I want to just, she says, my family was burdened by alcoholism, landing my father in prison and often throwing my mother unconscious on the roadside. The night my mother walked away from us, all I remember is seeing my sister Katya searching for who through the dark window. Katya said she had this feeling deep in her chest that we would never see our mom again. And to this day, we don't know what happened to her. She never came back. Often, even as God's children, we face unanswered questions. I don't know why our mother never returned. 
I don't know how we survived those days of poverty and hunger, but before I knew him, God was already sustaining me through all of my unanswered questions. My sister and I were soon taken to an orphanage saturated in verbal and physical abuse. I remember thinking, is this how you treat children? One night, the cruelty got to the point where I decided that I hated my life. And that was when God met me. He saw my heart, even though I did not know God at the time. He nudged me to keep looking forward because all this pain would one day be in my past. God doesn't always pull us out of dark circumstances, but Psalm 139, verse 12, reminds us that even in the darkness... Even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. God saw me in that dark place. He knew about my struggles. And by his strength, he allowed me to endure the suffering and step toward a brighter day. Later, my sister and I were transferred to another orphanage where the caregivers did not tolerate any kind of abuse. The atmosphere was completely different. And soon after we arrived, the director of our new orphanage made an astonishing decision. He allowed Operation Christmas Child, some of you heard of that, to enter with shoebox gifts and share the good news about Jesus. When I received my shoebox gift, maybe from someone here at Grace, right? Who knows? We've sent thousands of those out around the world every Christmas. Everything about it was so exciting and colorful and new. Simple items like hair clips and my own diary filled me with joy. But more important than anything in my shoebox was that through Operation Christmas Child, I heard the life-changing message of the gospel for the first time. They talked about a God whom we call our Father. They told us about Jesus who came from heaven to earth to rescue us. As an orphan to me, that meant that God is the God of adoption. My dream all through my childhood was to be part of a loving family. And now, God was inviting me into his royal family. It felt as if the light had finally won territory over the darkness in my life. I gave God my burdens. I gave my burdens to Jesus and began to faithfully pray and seek after his heart. The darkness could no longer stop the light from getting in. And she ends this way. We all face darkness today on this side of heaven, but no matter how deep the shadows seem, God sees us. He hears our cries and he's faithful to answer. Wow. No matter where you are in the darkness, God sees you. I love the way that the New Living Translation puts it. It says this, darkness and light are the same to you. It's, it's, for us, we can say, I, I can't see it. For God, it's, it's, he sees us no matter. The Lord sees everything you're going through. He feels your pain. He's full of compassion and he invites us to turn to him. But here's the deal. We have to believe that God exists, right? So we read in Hebrews, you, you must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Friends, if you and I can grab hold of this truth, I'm convinced it can change the way that we live. Let's turn to one more passage, Genesis chapter 28. Genesis 28, uh, a passage we read just this week in our Bible reading plan. And let me give a shout out, by the way, to our 2024 Bible reading plan called The Full Story. You see it there on the screen from beginning to the amen. It walks you through the Bible one day at a time. There are helpful videos. You can listen to it, share the plan with a friend. We'd love to have you join us, and, uh, and it, it'd be great to have you on the journey. Genesis 28 gives us the account of Jacob. He's the third person in four generations that uh, the history is told from Genesis chapter 12 to 50. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Jacob's 12 sons uh, there. And so Genesis 28 is about Jacob, verse 10. Here's what it says. 
Jacob left Beersheba and set out for Haran. When he reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. This guy needed a pillow, didn't he? He had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth and its top reaching to heaven and the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord. And one of the promises God gives him, verse 15, I am what? With you. And will watch over you wherever you go. And I will bring you back to this land. I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, surely the Lord is in this place. And I was what? Not aware of it. I think that's such a compelling verse, isn't it? Why? Apparently it's possible for God to be all around you, with you, and to completely miss it, right? It's possible for us to sleepwalk through life, living without an awareness of his presence. And I think of that and I go, God, I don't want to live like that. So the question is not really whether the Lord was with Jacob and really whether he's with us. He is. The question is, am I aware that Jesus is with me right now? Do I live like that? Because some people are aware and some people are not. Here's what Jacob's experience shows us so clearly. God is with you, with me, even when we don't see him. Even in the most unlikely times and places. When you're at work, night shift, day shift, he's with you. In a crowded restaurant or eating by yourself. When you're standing in line, you're alone at night, you're on the road far from home, he's there. When you're incarcerated, our brothers at Lorraine Correctional, we love you guys. Jesus is the one person who doesn't need to go through security to get in, right? Joseph, we read about his life this week in prison in Genesis. He, it says the Lord, when Joseph was in prison, the Lord was what? Was with him. He was with him. In the darkness of his, when you're encouraged and when you're down, when your family life is healthy and when you feel like it's completely dysfunctional, God is there. I want you to think of a place you're going to go this week. Maybe you have an appointment coming up or I don't know. Something at work. Might just be a routine of life at the dinner table or you're exercising. What if we said with Jacob, surely the Lord is in this place. Maybe we'd also say, and I was not aware of it. I want to be aware, don't you? I want to live with confidence and with assurance and to say, God, you, you are here wherever I go. David is saying, to the furthest stretches of the cosmos, to the depths of the earth, from east to west, and the light and the dark, God is with me. So how do we remind ourselves? You see the, see the next line in your notes there? How can we find ways to remind ourselves that God is with us? Uh, just a couple suggestions. I wish we could talk over coffee because I'd like to hear from you as well. But let me just give you five ways that in my life have been um, just keys to remind myself. Number one, read it. Re read, recalibrate with God's word. Make it a daily habit. We talk about this a lot because we really believe you cannot grow spiritually like God wants to without letting this word be like water to your soul, absorbing it, internalizing it. Through the written word, we get to know the living word. Like we actually hear from God and we're reminded like, God, you were with them and you're with me. 
Read it, pray it. See how many times this week, all through the day, that you can just send up what I like to call arrow prayers. Just saying like, Lord, I love you. Lord, thanks for the wisdom you gave in that moment. God, thanks that you're with me right now. Lord, as I go into this meeting, thank you that you're going before me. God, I need your grace to know how to respond in this challenging conversation right now. Lord, thank you that it doesn't matter whether things go my way or not in circumstances. I can know that you're here. Read it, pray it. And by the way, I think when you have an opportunity, pray out loud. For me, that helps me to focus. I do that most when I'm in the car, uh, probably. Uh, and that's also where you find me singing my, my lungs out. And uh, because the people probably driving along me are going, what is up with that guy over there, right? But nowadays, everyone's talking on their Bluetooth or whatever. And so talk out loud to God. Read it, pray it, declare it. State the truth of it each day. I found it helpful to have a visual reminder. I'm going to ask our ushers if they can get some cards here. But ushers, if you, are you ready to go there? Um, and, but we have a, a, a card that we printed off for all of you that just says this, Lord Jesus, you are with me right now. Surely the Lord is in the place. See the card right there. And uh, just with a reminder, and if you guys can come right now, ushers, and uh, distribute those. Uh, and, and it might be on your computer screen. It might be on the mirror of your, of your bathroom. It could be on the dash of your car. It might be in, in, at your workplace, where, wherever it may be. But that you just have this, that's right, Lord, you're with me right now. And by the way, we have such faithful ushers. These folks volunteer. Would you just express your appreciation of them? And uh, thank you, guys. So declare it. Declare it and have that in front of you and just say, God, I, I want to believe this to be true. Next, reflect it. Reflect it to others around you. One of the things that's the, the culture of grace, and those of you engaging online, maybe you, you miss this, but when people are in the lobby or they're milling around or in the uh, global grounds or wherever it may be, and, and guys at Lorraine Correctional, I see it with you as well, you'll just see people, all of a sudden you'll see them like an arm on a shoulder and they're just praying together. It's a reminder, we don't need to be at the front of a worship center, we don't need to, we can pray wherever we are. You might be in the hospital this week visiting someone, you might be with a friend on the phone, you would ever say, hey, can I just, would it be okay if I just pray right now and just ask God to give you what you need in this moment? And, and it's a reminder to others, you're reflecting to other people, God is with you right now. And sometimes it's being the hands and feet of Jesus. We got a note from a guy this week, I'll just keep it anonymous, but he writes this. He says, I struggled with my faith during this season of illness, and I was encouraged by so many people at Grace, and he lists several. And then he says, many others encouraged me and helped me, listen to this, to see Jesus even through the dark times. It's often the people around us that are reflecting the presence of Jesus. He said, they helped me to see Jesus even through the dark times. My family and I are really grateful. Reflect it, and then sing it. Mary and I were saying that sometimes we sing because we believe. It's an overflow, and we're like, man, we're just singing, you know, about whatever hymn or song. Or so other times, we sing ourselves into saying, God, I know this is true, and I just don't sense it right now. And we sing ourselves to, to a point of belief. The Christian faith is all about the nearness of God. What if we told him as many times as we could this week, Lord Jesus, you are with me right now. Right now. How would that change the way that you respond to temptation? 
How might it increase the frequency of your prayers? How would it dial up the confidence level as you go through your daily life to know this God who is so great, extraordinarily powerful, who loves me more than I could ever comprehend, so wide, so high, so deep, so long, is, is the God who's with me right now. May it be, friends, that you and I, every day, practice the presence of God because he truly is near. Do you believe it? Let's thank him together. Lord Jesus, thank you again. With you there is no darkness that you cannot break through. Lord, there's no brokenness that you are unable somehow to redeem. Lord, there's nothing that you cannot use for our good and for your glory. So Lord, thank you. Thank you that the moment we trust in you that you adopted us, you brought us into a family, and then you make these promises that you'll never leave us and, and that we become the house of the very living God. Lord, thank you. Thank you that this is true for today and for tomorrow. Lord, every day until you come again that you're going to be with us. We bless you and we love you. Remind us by your spirit this week of this truth. In your name we pray, amen. One of the things we said, we're gonna sing it. Let's, let's sing it together, okay? Let's sing this truth. Let's stand as we're led.